0: The gang finds a safe haven, but is it in danger of becoming unsafe again so that they have to leave and go find another safe haven? The answer is yes, on the 63rd season of The Walking Dead. But first, Questionable Material with Jack and Brian. You're listening to Questionable Material with Jack and Brian, a mostly improvised podcast produced in New York by Jack Helmuth and Brian Sack qmpodcast.com cindy lopper facts
1: hi i was wondering um i'm at a bar right now trying to um it's a very quiet bar so you're not going to hear any background behind it but i'm in a bar right now um arguing with uh, another patron over some cindy lopper facts i was wondering if you could uh, help settle some bets yeah, that'd be great. That's where I formed this company
0: years ago. And it's it's nice to get a call and, and to tell and share uh, my Cindy
1: Lauper knowledge, my Cindy Lauper facts. Well, that's just great. So um, it's, it sounds like if, if I could just be personal with you for a moment, it sounds like you don't get a lot of phone calls. I do not get a lot of phone calls. I'll be honest. You know, if I had done this maybe in the 80s, mm-hmm.
0: uh, I, I think she would have been more front and center in people's minds. I think, you know, at the peak, you know, time after time. Yeah. Uh, that, that would have been a good time to start my company. Uh, mm-hmm. I waited. I'm a, you know, I'm, I was afraid. I was afraid to get into the Cindy Lauper Facts business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I worried about the potential. I worried about the cost. I worried about the, the energy level, if I would have the energy to, and, to put and what into about this, this. Yeah, of course. And what about this market saturation?
1: Were you concerned about that?
0: At the time, I mean, there, there was uh, there was Cindy Lopper trivia. There were uh, Cindy Lauper news. Mm-hmm. There was Cindy Watch, um, <laughs> uh, and you know, so yeah, I, w- I was concerned that, and I was I was afraid I didn't want to break into what I felt was a saturated market. Yeah. I wanted to be, you know, as as Peter Thiel uh, says, you know, you want to have a monopoly if you can. You know, monopoly right. is important, uh, and so I, I waited, and so now I, I do have the monopoly on Cindy Lauper facts. There is no competition. Um, but there's not a ton of business. I'll be quite honest. And I'm, you know, I'm looking at a cafe across the street, and they're busy. I mean, people yeah. are coming and going all day long. And here, here I am in my storefront, and I'm, I'm watching people kind of walk by, and they'll take pictures of the sign, and, and they never enter. They don't come in. Oof, and it kind of, it hurts. Store storefront. Yeah. It's, and it's expensive. It's New York. And granted the, the rents have dipped a little bit because the 80% of uh, buildings are uh, vacant, but you know they haven't dipped that much to be quite honest. And so um, I'm spending a lot of money. Uh, I've invested a lot into this and uh, and I'm just, I, listen, I'm happy you called. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, I, I have maybe misread the market. I thought there might've been a market for Cindy Lauper facts and maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I've read a lot of books on business Uh I follow Warren Buffett on Instagram and, you know, and, and he has a lot of of wisdom, Uh, a lot of selfies, poolside selfies, which I find weird. Uh, But I (laughs) mean, he has a lot of, a lot of information there and I've kind of followed him to the T and I am just struggling. I'm struggling and I'm sorry I'm telling you
1: this. Well, you, you, you also cover Mr. T. Did I hear that right? Miss, well, I, I, Mr. T facts.
0: Yeah. (laughs) But we closed that a couple of years ago. Oh, geez. Yeah, I I'm mean, so it's, sorry. It's you know, I it's it's fine. Um, and I wanted to focus more of my energy on
1: Cindy Lauper facts. Uh, well, and here I am. What do you need so, to know? Well, so I mean, so this must be a giant day for you that you finally get to answer a Cindy Lauper fact. You you've waited for it seems like potentially years uh, since you've had this opportunity. Would you say that's right? I, I, yeah, it's been three years
0: and. Almost six months. Three years and six months. Three and a half years. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Wow. Well, yep. I mean, here you go. I'm I'm ready. We're we're here in the bar, um, ready to have you finally ply your trade. Okay. What do you want to know? Okay. When did Girls Just Want to Have Fun come out? That's her. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Brian. Hello, Jack. Hi, what uh, what's new in your life there, buddy? Let's see, Jack.
0: Uh, guess what? My darling, darling German shepherd did.
1: Um, Probably uh, ripped the neck out of a mailman. Almost. Okay. So barking again
0: outside. Mm -hmm. And then I see that there's a deer on the property again. Oh, no. And I'm thinking to myself, this can't be happening again. And she chases the deer into the brush and then comes out running because the deer's chasing after her. Whoa! And then she turns around and goes after the deer and the deer jumps into the deer fence and rips up its poor little deer face. Oh, God. And then it hooks its deer antlers in the fence. And now the deer is stuck. So my brilliant dog, she's charging at the deer, which is now kicking. I'm trying to tell the dog, do not approach the kicking deer. And my dumb dog does not understand what I'm saying because it's in prey mode and all it cares about is the deer. It doesn't hear me. And the deer is kicking and struggling and presumably hurting itself. And and eventually uh, it gets itself free and then it bolts and it runs into the fence on the other side and gets hooked up again with its antlers. And I could not get close to it because of course, every time I came up, it panicked and freaked out and looked like it was going to break its own neck. And, uh, and I had to t- grab the dog and I threw the dog in the house and the dog's freaking out in the house. And I'm trying to figure out what to do with a deer that's stuck in a fence for an hour and a half. Wow. The poor thing was so tired from struggling that it was just kind of drooping there. (laughs) And I felt like it was dying. And then I, and I called (laughs) the dog warden and he's like, well, here's the number of the department of environmental conservation police, which I didn't know existed. And that guy showed up 45 minutes later. That guy's phone rings as much as the Cindy Lauper guys. Yeah, he's. The, I mean, he's. He actually used to run a Cindy Lauper fax franchise <laughs> For a whole franchise. Wow. Uh, then he came. Uh, he came about forty-five minutes later, and uh, and wow. uh, freed the deer, and, the, the, and then we convinced the deer to run out the gate. How did you convince the deer to leave the gate? I put up a sign in Deere's <laughs> that said "This way out." mm Hmm. mm Hmm. And he's literate, as many deer are, and uh, he left. That's good. And I will keep that gate shut uh, forever because I
1: cannot deal with my dog and deer on the property. Didn't you also have like a backup plan when this happened in the past where you had like a sexy deer sort of on standby?
0: Yeah, well, there was a sexy deer um, that, you know, it's the deer of the night, (laughs) they call it in the country. And, uh, you know, for a certain fee, uh, like a salt lick. Uh, she will, <laughs> she will ply her trade and lure uh-huh. a deer out of my property. Wow. But she had a client. Oh, she did. She did. So she was unavailable. So that's why I had to call the department of environmental conservation police. And then you know, after he frees the deer and he talks to me, he's doing some paperwork. And I, I don't know. I was like, I started to pull out my wallet. And I said, should I tip you? <laughs> And he's like, would you tip a police officer? And I was like, no. And then I felt <laughs> so like he, an idiot because he's there with his Glock and all this stuff. And, and he does kind of look like a police officer. Right. But he's so you, Department of Environmental
1: thingy. Right. So I, I assume you just gave him a, a salt lick and he was on his way. I gave him a salt lick, which is a euphemism. <laughs> What's going on with you? Well, I just went up to uh, my alma mater this weekend, Syracuse University. That means school you went to in Latin. Yeah, yeah, good. That's right. That's the school I went to and uh, where my mom went to and my aunt went to and my grandma went to and got Legacy. married. Legacy and I uh, get married on the uh, on-campus chapel. I'm alive because of Syracuse. So when your kid is college
0: age, like mine yep. is now, um, yes. is Syracuse going to be like the only school you're interested in?
1: Well, I mean, that's what I want to have happen, but however, you know, maybe I don't want my kid going to Syracuse after I, uh, uh, had an interesting run-in. You had a run-in? Well, so, well, let me, let me explain what happened. So okay. I, I went up there to teach a comedy writing seminar. Um, they, they paid me to come up and, uh, and, and do this, this thing for a day. So I, I lectured for like seven and a half hours. It was oh my God. big, well, yeah. Um, it was uh, cool. It was exhausting. Like my, my bones hurt after I was, I was so tired. you just standing um, there for seven and a half hours? Well, not just, yeah, yes, but not just standing. I mean, I was, you know, pay, I mean, like I, like I, I, I teach, like I coach little league. You have a glove. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. So, um, so I, I teach this whole thing. And then this kid invites me to, to the old TV station where I used to work because he's taping an episode of his show. So I go down and, uh, visit my old TV station. So it's a very special place to me. Um, and he says, you know, why don't you pitch me some jokes for the thing that we're doing right now? I'm like, sure, whatever you'd like, you're, you're the boss, um, child, uh, I will, uh, to help you with whatever you need. So, so I, it was a comedy show he's doing on the Syracuse. Correct. correct. Okay. He's doing a comedy TV. show. Okay. And so, um. So I pitch, so he's doing some sort of joke about like endangered species. And okay. in comedy, it's generally considered that the more details, the funnier. It's it's funnier to say, instead of you saying, I'm going to go get a soda. It's funnier to say, I'm going to go get a grape soda. That's just instantly funnier. Mm-hmm. The de- small little details make people laugh. Mm-hmm. So I, I pitch him this little joke about how uh, instead of endangered species, the, the, where the, the dining hall is serving endangered species, I see, I pitch some sort of silly half a joke where it's um serving a, a red panda sandwich and so the graphic would be uh, like a, a big fluffy panda in between two slices of wonder bread right. Right. like a funny little graphic and yeah yeah pretty funny and uh, and he's like oh oh uh yeah i'm not sure that would meet our code of conduct I'm like what what code of conduct what the hell are you oh. talking about he's like oh yeah with race and uh this and I, i'm not sure i'm like what what what's this have to do with race? It's just a red panda sandwich, just like a graphical thing. And it's like, yeah, but I'm, I'm like, you know, we're really trying to stay away from things that might offend people, and it's in the code of conduct at a student-run TV station.
0: What this is the kid, code of conduct that would prohibit a panda joke?
1: A panda. This kid was afraid to just tell a joke on his comedy TV show. I, it I, it demoralized me. i I haven't been able to stop thinking about it. like I driving home for four and a half hours, and I'm just thinking about this kid and whatever this code of conduct is, where he My. is afraid to make any joke that could ever be adjacent to problematic I, oh. yeah, i'm I'm struggling to find to
0: figure out what a panda sandwich how who would be offended, why that would be offensive, That's insane. <sighs> I don't know. That's depressing. Cause I mean, I was, I had my college comedy show in our college comedy show is called the nothing special. Mm -hmm. And, and I mean, I'm sure a lot of the stuff we did was problematic in today's terms, but you know what? It was a funny show. And the people from the show, uh, one's at Bill Maher and one's writing for family guy. And um, you know, they've, they've actually done comedy afterwards. I don't, if you're afraid of doing Panda jokes, I'm not so sure your
1: future in comedy is going to be uh, productive, uh, my show that I had in college had me, I obviously went and did SNL and all the shows that we've talked about in the past. I had a Letterman, a future Letterman writer. I had, uh, our director now runs a major production company. So, I mean, again, same with you sort of like top tier Hollywood talent. Yeah. Uh, well, I think
0: Andy Daly was on our show and he's doing a bunch of um, stuff. Yeah. Th- that's awesome. A good bunch of folks. And we did
1: jokes, but you, there was you, no code of conduct. You also learn what the line is. That's an important thing you you learn. It's here. We did racial humor. We had a yeah. w- one of my best friends is is and remains to this day black, and he and so we would do like race jokes with him. He we, he was actually the black correspondent before Larry Wilmore ever was. He uh-huh. was our black correspondent. We did racial humor. Yeah, we found what the line was. Yeah,
0: crazy. I'm sad for the future of comedies. Yeah. Oh well. No, oh, well, <laughs> screw it. <laughs> I
1: got mine. I got mine in. Hey, Brian. Yeah, Jack. Do you remember how uh, in the uh, '90s David Letterman hired uh, Craig Kilborn to follow him, his show, and 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 the and the reason that 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 Dave had Craig behind him is because he was absolutely no threat to him at all. That there's no. No universe, no no alternate reality where Craig Kilborn could ever do a better job than David Letterman and therefore usurp him and take his show.
0: Yeah, I get, Craig Kilborn was the original Daily Show.
1: He was host. the original Daily Show, but then he went over to the CBS 1230 slot. Yeah. So he followed Dave. Dave handpicked yeah. him because everyone knew that um, Dave was just picking someone who would be no threat to him. What I think is happening is that's what Joe Biden is doing with Kamala Harris. That is why he chose her. Yeah.
0: Well, you don't want to be usurped by, uh, you know, whoever's underneath you. So you Mm -hmm. you pick somebody. That's why, you know, there's, that's Dan Quayle, you know, that guy was not going to out, out Bush, Bush, the elder. Yep. He was not going to be taken over anything. Yep. Uh, Yep. That's why, uh, Hillary's choice was what Kane? Oh, who was that? I mean, just a big nobody, right? Terrible. Yeah. Yeah, that's what you do. You always pick somebody who's not not a threat. That's why uh, Obama chose. uh, Oh, Joe Biden. There you go. And now Joe Biden gets to choose. Oh, Kamala. Yeah, there you go. And and it's
1: the it's the circle of not life, really. That's right. It's the circle of blah. The circle of blah, but you know, so that that, that sort of got me thinking because Kamala's been in the news a lot lately. Her her approval rating number is her, uh, she is just not a, a very popular or well liked person right she now. She is not, and you know, the, and the reason is obviously
0: racism, Jack. Racism. Thank you, Brian. Yes, it, it, there can be no other explanation for the dislike of Kamala Harris other than uh, racism. That's why yep. she was like the the lowest performing uh, person in the primaries, yep, because right. people hate women, and they hate uh, women with a,
1: a black and uh, Southeast Asian backgrounds, especially Democratic primary voters. That's right; those people, the biggest racists of them all, Absolutra. Yep, absolutely. So that really can be the only explanation. Yes, Joe Biden has almost exactly uh, the same uh, disapproval ratings. But that's not racism. Correct. Almost oh, exact same number. But that's not him. racism.
0: He's a doddering old white man. Yeah. So he just deserves bad approval ratings.
1: See, I'm glad. I'm glad you get this. Now, I bring this up because yeah. if I'm remembering my history correctly, you wrote the book on Kamala Harris. Is that right? That's right. Yes, I did. Yep. I did write the book on Kamala Harris. <laughs> It's the definitive uh, book. Jeez, I'm, I'm terrible at these things. I should remember the titles of things. Can you remind me what the title of your Kamala Harris book is? Uh, Of course I can.
0: Uh, It's called the Kamala Sutra. You must have gotten a lot of accidental sales. I got a ton of, yeah, I got a ton of sales (laughs) and a, a lot of disappointing emails. I'm like Where I was, you, you know, where's the hovering Lotus position? I'm like, no, 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 that you're. this is Kamala Harris. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's possible. That's why her, <laughs> why she tagged in the polls so hard. It's great. You yeah. Know, you set the expectations and then suddenly like there are no pictures. It's just all words. Oh, that's and, terrible. You know, and you, you still don't, you know, so how do you do uh, the, um, the crab Rangoon position? <laughs> you don't. I
1: love the crab. I did the crab Rangoon with my wife once crunchy on the outside and <laughs> kind of mediocre on the inside. Yeah. That was our experience. <laughs> and which is odd. All of this is odd because you spend a chapter uh, talking about how she only likes one sexual position. That's right. Wh- which one again? Um, it's called the Veep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the one where you just lay on your back and do nothing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Wow. That's a that's a lot of time to spend <laughs> to spend on that. But okay, I'm not going to tell you how to write your books. So thank you. So since you're such a Kamala uh, expert, then you mm-hmm. probably you know are, are in the know. You're in this, still kind of in the inner circle, I would imagine. I was wondering, um, you know, if we could talk about what what the plans are for Kamala in the future to sort of rehabilitate her image and then some of the the plans that you guys have for her uh, moving forward or or her people have uh, moving forward for her. Yeah.
0: Um, Yeah. I mean, there's definitely um, going to be an effort underway to revitalize her, her, uh, to make her more appealing to people uh, and and to hopefully, you know, give her a boost because, you know, the Democrat nightmare scenario would be if uh, the president, uh, Joe Biden... Mm-hmm. You know, gets up in the middle of the night in his pajamas and and steps outside of the White House and just wanders around the Rose Garden and freezes <laughs> to death because he doesn't know where he is. And then, of course, under the rules of succession, yep. uh, Kamala Harris would be the the president. But you know, not being particularly popular at the moment, that runs a risk when we come to the you know the, the next presidential election. Yeah, and there is a very good chance that she would lose to a- anyone. That's right. That's right. And obviously it's because it's only because of uh, misogyny and racism. That's Uh, right. But, um, you know, they, so they're, they're, they're going to try to revitalize her. They want to uh, make people kind of value her and and see that she's got some kind of purpose and, and uh, is worthwhile. So I can tell you what's going to happen. Yeah, please. I would love that. So uh, there's going to be, there uh, these two twins, (laughs) uh, Kieran. And Gloria, and they're adorable <laughs> little kids. And uh, they're, you know, blonde hair and blue eyes, and they're going to go missing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, what? They're going to go missing, and it's going to be the saddest thing, and it's going to dominate the news cycles. Where are they? Where are they? Where are Kieran and Gloria? Where are Kieran and Gloria? And wow. it's going to be all over. Joy Reed is going to actually stop mm-hmm. saying stupid things and just focus on... Uh, Kieran and Gloria, where are they?
1: Wow, they're taking this seriously.
0: Yeah, and so it's going to be, it's going to die. And, and then suddenly there's Kamala and she finds them. Uh, they're in in a cave. Oh, she finds them in a cave. In a cave in Wyoming. And there's just, it's just going to so happen, there's going to be a, like all the media are just going to be gathered outside of a cave entrance for a, no reason. And she's going to uh-huh. stroll out of the cave with these two adorable kids. Wow, and, you know they're a little worse for the wear, but they're alive, and she's just going to step outside. She's going to go, I found them. <laughs> <laughs> what? And What? Yeah, she likes to cackle, and and then you know people are going to be, oh my god, she is good.
1: She found these these adorable kids. Wow, that's uh, really so. Uh, so she'll then what like return them to their uh, their mother's loving arms. She will. And she's going to, she's going to do it herself. She's going to, This just
0: so happens her car is going to be parked outside of the cave. She's going to load the kids in the back of the car and
1: drive all the way to their home in Maryland. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, so quickly, can you sort of describe to me how um your the government plans to uh, obtain the kids?
0: Well um, you know, you've heard of uh, seal team six. Yes, of course. Well, Playground Team Six is a highly <laughs> trained group of uh, military operators uh, who specialize in, in abducting children from playgrounds for political purposes. So that's a group. Playground Team Six, yeah, oh, it is. Uh, you know, it's, it's it's a it's under the navy, uh, but you know they have members from from other d- military departments. And from right. the Department of Environmental uh, Conservation Police.
1: <laughs> hey guys. <laughs> okay, sure. The hero thing is gonna raise her poll numbers. Now, yeah. um, she, you, you, you know, is she gonna be uh, assigned any sort of major piece of of um, of legislation or, or or a big political thing to solve? You know, um, sometimes it's uh, the you know, a VP is going to you know find the cure for cancer, and sometimes a VP is going to um, fix the border crisis. Well, yeah. You know, what what is Kamala going to going to have?
0: Um, well, she's going to do uh, border care. Uh, border care. Yeah. So basically, um, oh. you know, it's kind of a combination of Medicare and border security. <laughs> <laughs> so what they're going to do is they're going to treat illegal immigrants for free, mm-hmm. but not let them in.
1: <laughs> That's really strange.
0: It is really strange, and you know they. This is just one of the ways they're they're trying to raise her profile as someone who cares about the borders and free health care. And is there a
1: catchy slogan like "Build Back Better" for this plan? Um. Yes. <laughs> Well, it's a good thing you know it off the top of your head, and don't have to just come up with it on the spot, because that'd be a terrible position to be in.
0: No, that'll be that'll be terrible. No, the, the, the slogan is uh, uh,
1: "bueno y no dolores," <laughs> which I, I I only took twelve credits to Spanish in college. I didn't. I don't know what that means. A uh, good and no no dollars. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we have, that's okay. So that's appealing more. <laughs> More on the other side of the border than our side. It really is.
0: And that's the problem. It's it's obviously going to work as a magnet because they're going to see, oh, there's free health care if I go to the border and cross in. Yep. And then I'll be sent back.
1: But the next time I don't feel well, I'm just going to come back. Right. So it's like America will just be an urgent care center. Yeah. Just the southern border. OK, well, I'm not sure how that's going to help get her votes, but um, OK, that's fine. And you said, um, uh, you know, I know, you know, I, you, the other night you, you talked in your sleep and I, I, you said something about that they're going to show her softer side. Like, so, yeah. so what, you know, what are they planning to do to really soften her up? Well, you know, she seems she seems to
0: rub people the wrong way. Correct. Uh, and with the one. Yeah. And but all, and, you know, she she rubs people the wrong way. Clearly, that's because of misogyny and racism. Uh, but they also, you know, they want to kind of make her a, a warmer, more likable uh, character. Okay. So she is going to have a pudding trolley. <laughs> <laughs> and wherever she goes, she's got a trolley of pudding
1: uh-huh.
0: and and a ladle. And <laughs> she will just offer pudding to anyone who approaches. So if you come up she'll and they'll just say uh, the VP pudding mobile. And, and, and then, and she's going to just offer pudding to anybody who wants it for free.
1: This is not going to make me popular, but I don't care if she's got my vote. There you go. Finally, my, my final question is obviously they would still love for her to be, um, to succeed president Biden. What are they going to do to make sure that uh, pre- the president gets out of uh, uh, Kamala's way so that Kamala can sort of take over the democratic party?
0: Well, have you heard of SEAL Team Six? Yeah, yeah, I, I still have heard of them. Yeah. Well, there's uh, Elder Care Team Six.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, what do they do?
0: They're tasked with uh, basically performing uh, mm-hmm. military operations where they uh, take people and put them in facilities. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what they've okay. done is they've they've actually out in the desert they've built a life size reconstruction of the White House. Uh uh-huh. And they've, they've really, uh, they've war game this uh, for, for months now. And so it's going to be a very smooth operation where these stealth helicopters come in, land around the white house, they come in uh, and then they, they escort the, what they're calling the package into the helicopter and they bring him to an assisted care facility in, uh, right <laughs> outside of Bethesda. Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> so they're going to probably wait to make it as painless as possible. Wait for the ideal opportunity. Like when he's at a climate summit asleep and just sort of scoop him up, just gently scoop him up and just take him right to Bethesda.
0: Yeah. So that it's less traumatic for him and less work for them. Yeah. Because when he's, when he's out, he's out.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Brian. Yeah. Now I know you are a giant fan of music. I love music. That's so cool.
0: That's so relatable. You know what I I always say, Jack? What do you always say? I say it's music to my
1: ears. (sighs) That's great. You're just delightful. So now I I know you get hired a lot by, you know, places like Rolling Stone and Mm -hmm. uh, the Billboard and stuff to to do a lot of work because you, again, they're such an expert. But I know that on a personal level, you are an enormous fan of Prince. Is that right? Yeah, I love Prince. My Mm -hmm. little... Purple pal, I call him. <laughs> <laughs> and and you started the, the, a, a Prince appreciation group.
0: I did. It's called purple I- rain, but R E I G N Jack. That's cool.
1: Yep. I get it now. I get it. Well, that, so, so you're, you're the right person to So I, I was thinking, you know, Prince has been on my mind. I, I heard a few of his songs on the radio, uh, driving yeah. back from Syracuse the other day. And, um, I was thinking like, oh my gosh, Brian probably knows all the stories behind these songs. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering if you could sort of maybe give us a little uh, a little history on, on some of um, uh, Prince's biggest hits. Oh God, yeah. I mean, I yeah. I,
0: yeah. I mean, talk about me memorizing his discography. I mean, come on.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so I always wondered about this one. When Doves Cry. Yeah. That's well, a strange thing. What, so wh- why, where did When Doves Cry? What was happening in Prince's life that made him write that song? Uh
0: well, it's kind of a sad story. Oh, so oh Prince, geez, okay. Um, well, Prince, you know, I, a lot of people don't know this, but you know, he was bullied. He was he's a short gentleman. Mm-hmm. He was not a tall person. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was he was short, and and he was bullied for that, and that made him sad. Yeah, right. And he took it out on what he thought were pigeons. <laughs> And so he would see these little feathered creatures and he would call them names and they would just look at him and he'd be like, You're a dumb pigeon, you're a dumb pigeon, you're a, just a stupid pigeon. And these poor poor doves would, would look at one another and say, He doesn't even know what we are. Wow. We're nothing. We don't exist. He's erased our identities. Oof. We've been marginalized. And
1: then they would cry.
0: That's, and that was inspirational. A-
1: so he somehow got off on their pain and, and wrote a song about it. Yeah. He, 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 I mean,
0: he thought they were pigeons. Ultimately he got corrected because he, he, he was singing and he was pointing uh, to <laughs> his, and he was saying when pigeons cry and he was pointing and somebody was like, dude, they're doves. Uh-huh. It's It's like, okay, well that works better anyway. Yeah,
1: yeah. Musically. No kidding. And, and he used to ride a, a dove bareback to get around. Is that right? Yeah. He, I mean, he, um,
0: you know, it was a large dove, but it still wasn't big enough for him. And the poor thing would just like, you know, he would, he would, he had a dove saddle yeah, <laughs> and he would sit on it and he he would giddy up and the poor dove would just like strain and strain and strain and just like, you know, d- try to fight him off. It was, it was an awkward scene. Uh, you know, and this was before everybody had a camera on their phone. So there was no yeah. real video of it. Right. Which is a shame because it sounds tremendously comical.
1: It, it, it does sound that way. I mean, I, I can see that a little person like Prince would sort of see and think that to scale, he could probably ride a pigeon away.
0: Yeah, no, he, I mean, he, he thought uh, flamingos were like Tyrannosaurus Rexes. <laughs> like He was, he was a small individual. He was very small.
1: Yeah. Boy, I bet they probably talented. influence him. Yeah, very, very talented, talented though. Super talented. Yeah, he really was. Um well that's 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 great insight Brian. Thank you. Um what about um you know I, I think my favorite Prince song is Let's Go Crazy. Yes. I love that song. I have that uh on a number of my playlists. Uh tell us about Let's Go Crazy. What what happened there? Just I, I love facts about uh, uh, songs that I love. So he lo- you know, he
0: loved kids um and he, originally he was a preschool teacher. <laughs> and uh he would come into the preschool with a can of lead paint. <laughs> And he would just give every kid a little teaspoon of lead paint and then just say, let's go crazy. And then they'd all like dug to this dance. And you know, over the course of the, the full year of preschool um, these kids suffered tremendous neurological damage. Uh, and they, you know, by the end of preschool, they were in fact uh,
1: crazy. Yeah. And that was the
0: genesis of that song. Oh
1: man. So he wrote let's go crazy about, um, about poisoning. <laughs> Children with lead paint yeah. just so they can have sort of like a funny party.
0: Yeah. He just liked, you know, because he, he saw their expressions. He thought that they were, he didn't realize it was actually, uh, they weren't really smiling. It, it was like a neurological tick, <laughs> but he, he interpreted that as them having a great time and he wanted them to have a great time and he wanted right. you know preschool to be fun. Right. So it,
1: it wasn't necessarily as malicious as it may seem in, in, in a court. He never intended to harm these kids. You right. Know, he, he didn't realize that you know, a teaspoon of paint was a bad thing. Well, you can't blame him then. No, he's innocent as far as I'm concerned. I know he had a, a lot of trouble yeah. for some reason um, recording a Little Red Corvette. Yes. What, what was what what happened in, in, in the recording session? What What's the story of recording Little Red Corvette and, and why it was so darn difficult? So he's in his booth,
0: mm-hmm. isolated from the rest of his band because yep. you know, that's how you do it in, in the recording business. So he's in the booth and he's singing Little Red Corvette. And, 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 you know, he had wanted the Corvette, a Little Red Corvette in the studio for inspiration. Sure. And so they, of course, he's Prince. They're going to accommodate him. So they brought this Little Red Corvette into the studio mm-hmm. in the in the larger part of the studio where the band is performing. And they left it running. And so poor Prince, <laughs> as he's singing, you know, he, he sees his, his band starting to lose energy. <laughs> and starting to slow down and miss occasional notes here and there. Uh-huh. And he realizes you know that they're being poisoned by carbon monoxide. <laughs> but he is such a dedicated musician. And, right. you know, and he knew that his voice was at the best, it was peak and he was he was giving this song the ideal uh, lyrics. I mean he was he was singing his life out, ironically as theirs was going away. <laughs> and one by one, he watched his bandmates uh, fall to the floor. And die, and that's kind of why you know you hear the drum machine just kind of going because the guy f- actually fell face first into the keyboards, and it was on repeat. <laughs> uh, and and it was a sad <laughs> moment. You know, the tears are streaming down his face, and he's mm-hmm. singing. And they had to filter a lot of it because originally it sounded like a <laughs> little red Corvette. Uh, right. and they But they they made it more sexy sounding, and uh, and that's how his band uh,
1: perished. Well, this is what it sounds like when Prince cries. That's. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is, yeah, well, no, what yeah, that's a lot. That's a big uh, issue with recording that song.
0: Yeah, it's a sad story. And, um, you know,
1: it's, it's all there in Wikipedia, if you don't believe me. Yeah, no, I, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I wouldn't rush to double check that. Just, just believe, Brian. Thank you. Last one. Um, sure. Uh, why don't we go to 1999? Sort of his mm-hmm. one of his first songs that really was a big hit on the radio. Yep. 1999. It's a, a big um, song about uh, the, the coming uh, turn of the millennium. Well, a lot of people think that. Oh, okay. A lot of people think it's a, it's
0: about the turn of the millennium, but it's not. Um, what? Yeah, it's not. There was a, so basically it's a, it's a song about a pair of sweatpants that he <laughs> saw at J crew. You there?
1: Yeah, I'm here. Uh- <laughs> So, no, I know he's he, a big
0: sweatpants guy. So, go on, this makes sense. He was in, and he's from D- Minneapolis. And mm-hmm. he was walking by the J. Crew in Minneapolis. And he looks in the window and he sees a pair of sweatpants. Mm-hmm. And he, they're $20. <laughs> and he reaches into his pocket and he's got $19.99. Oh, man. And so he kicks a pigeon. <laughs> Cause he's so upset and he just, you know, he wants those sweats more than anything, but he's, he's a penny short. Mm-hmm. 2,000 pennies, <laughs> right? I mean, he needs 2,000 pennies. He's got
1: 1,999.
0: Right. He needs 2,000. 2, he does. And he, so, you know, as I said, he kicks a pigeon. He watches the pigeon <laughs> weep. He thinks it's a dove. He doesn't know birds. He's, he's very bad at identifying birds, and also, a cruel person. And yeah, he's just so. Uh, you know, he just sits outside. He's staring in, and he's fantasizing like how excited and happy he would be if he could actually afford these sweatpants, right? If I had two thousand zero zero pennies, party over. Oops, you know, like a, here we go. Like I'm ready. Yeah, yeah, it's good. But he doesn't. Yep. So he hops back into his car <laughs> and then he, he drives home. And he pulls into his garage and he closes the door. <laughs> he mm-hmm. Puts on a sad song.
1: Mm-hmm. And he falls asleep. <laughs> <laughs> and people should, you know, People may think this is a little strange but you you're thinking in today's dollars. $20 sweatpants back then was like that's like getting a $180 pair of sweatpants. I mean these are primo sweatpants. Yeah.
0: I mean back then prices were much different. Mm-hmm. And um I mean that that Corvette that killed his band
1: mm-hmm. that was like $438. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, mean, I think even in the 80s, that would be on the low side. I, I think that one was probably just spewing poison. It was probably not a good purchase.
0: It was a, it was a cheap red Corvette, and that's why the emissions were so bad.
1: Well, okay, so I guess we've also learned that uh, Prince is either frugal or um, you know maybe signed away a lot of his licensing rights. That's both of those things, yep. And I, I can tell you something about Raspberry
0: Beret. Oh, I was going to ask. That's perfect. Thanks. Uh, so Raspberry Beret, so he had learned his lesson. He lost his original band. Yeah. With a little red Corvette. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to sing Raspberry Beret mm-hmm. with his new band and he wanted inspiration and he, for whatever reason, he wanted to have a little red Corvette in the studio while he's singing. <laughs> so he's in his isolated audio booth. His new <laughs> band is playing Raspberry Beret background. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he's got his little red Corvette for inspiration, but he's smart enough. Now, he—he he, as soon as they pulled that thing into the studio, he, he's like, give me the keys now. <laughs> they turned it off. They gave him the keys. He's got the keys in his pocket. Nice. Um, and he's singing away and he's secure knowing that he's not, his band will not perish from carbon monoxide poisoning. Yep. Unfortunately, the vibrations from the bass <laughs> knock the stick shift into neutral. And this little red corvette, as they're playing, uh, it slowly uh, rolled through the studio <laughs> and one by one uh, crushed the members of his new band <laughs> un- under the, the, the wheels. And he sees this and uh-huh. he starts crying again. And you can Jeez. actually, in the original, they had to filter that too. And he, you know, he didn't want to stop singing. He's a consummate professional. Of course. But he's watching his band being rolled over in slow motion Mm -hmm. by this Corvette, this killer car. Yeah. That has, that has murdered two two of his bands, uh, two (laughs) incarnations of his bands. And, you know, and it was the inspiration for Screw You
1: Corvette. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe that wasn't released. Yeah. Okay. It was never released. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Was that why his band eventually became the revolution? Because they were re- revolting against um, being murdered all the time? No, no. That's actually referring to the revolution
0: of the wheels as they rolled over <laughs> his second band.
1: <laughs> oh, that's so sad. I see. This is the things. This is why you ask the questions. This, this right here. They, you don't ask. You don't know, man. That's what I always say. Man, and did did he try to run in and save them? But like the, the keys of the Corvette were like acting like an anchor. He's such a little person that he was anchored to where he was because the keys were in his pocket.
0: Yeah, there was actually a monkey paw uh keychain ball attached to his keys, and that was uh-huh. just super heavy for him.
1: Yeah. And it just weighted him down. Sad. That's so sad. Man, well, at least we know where Travis Scott gets his inspiration. Jack. Brian. I have a friend. His name is Brad. Okay.
0: Brad's a director, Jack. Yeah, I know. And you know this, and he, he sees in you, he, he thinks you are one of the more talented actors he's ever seen, but you have just not yet landed the role for you. Yeah. Uh, he keeps throwing opportunities your way. Um, and of course he's a very demanding director. He requires people to audition for him cold. Yeah. He requires that they are, uh, professional in their read and that they stay in character. And, and, you know, that's probably the most important thing to hit. You've got to be in character all the time. Yep. And, and when you fail
1: that, you fail the audition. And it's sad. It is sad. It's, I've failed a lot of these and it, it, it never feels good. I'm going to be honest with you. I, Cause I would really like to land a role in a movie. Well, I've got one. I'm sending you right now. Okay. He would like you to
0: read for this, Jack. This okay. movie is called God's Plan. And it's a new movie for Netflix that Brad is directing. And he Ooh. thinks you would be fantastic for the role of James. James.
1: Okay. I, mean, I would love to get some of that um, uh, Netflix money. So yeah, great. Well, uh, then let's give it a
0: shot and okay, see I, what happens.
1: Let's do that. I just opened it, uh, of course, uh, to honor Brad's request. I have never read this before, so I will read it cold. I will be reading the role of, I'll tell you'll see. You'll see. Oh, okay. 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 Stop yelling All right. at me. All
0: right. I'm not yelling. All right. <sighs> <sighs> Exterior, New York City street, day. James, that's the role you're reading for, cool. waits for the walk signal and then begins to cross the street. He hears a bike bell and turns to see a man on an e-bike headed straight for him at a high rate of speed. Oopsies. The bike strikes James and he hits the ground. A dump truck runs over his head, <laughs> crushing it. Everything goes black. <laughs> James exterior clouds James wakes up and is standing on clouds God is standing there looking at him where am I you're in heaven you died I died yeah you walked in front of a delivery guy on an electric bike speeding the wrong way down the street and not even using the bike lane straight to hell with those guys by the way Uh, who are you who else I'm God nice to meet you James You're God? Yeah, that's right. I,
1: I... I know, I know. You were expecting someone more uh, godlike, am I right? No offense, but I had an image in my head and you weren't it. I know, I know. Big bearded guy on a throne, am I right? I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, it is what it is. I'm God, you're dead, but guess what? What? I have plans for you. Plans? I'm sending you back. You're sending me back? Are you going to repeat everything I say? Sorry, God. I need you to do something for me. I'm going to send you back to Earth. You're going to come back to life in an ambulance. And then what?
1: I'm giving you a mission. Oh, I've always wanted to have a mission. A life without purpose seems like the saddest thing of all. Yeah, tell me about it. Hunter Biden, for
0: example. (laughs) Spoiler alert. He ODs next year. Oh, good. I win the office pool. So, you come back to life in the ambulance, and then you have a mission. Okay. What's my mission? You need to warn everyone that the world is coming to an end next week. They need to get
1: good with me and get their affairs in order. Got it? I do. Tell everyone that the end is nigh. I have a mission. You do. I'm sending you back. Three,
0: two, one. Everything goes dark. Interior Ambulance. Ben, the EMT, sits in the back of the ambulance next to a body bag with James in it. The body bag begins to stir. It gets Ben's attention. (sighs) Holy cow, this guy might be alive. Ben slowly unzips the body bag. James sits up. A miracle to Ben because of the incredible trauma James suffered to his head when it was completely crushed by the dump truck.
1: (laughs) What? Gob Slebs burf ebneb weeb
0: Lie down, your entire head was crushed, and I I don't think you even have a tongue. Gob Slevs burf ebneb weeb Conserve your energy, sir. Gob Slevs burf ebneb weeb. I can't understand you. Your face was completely destroyed. Ob gob ob gob
1: gob serb herb eb neb weeb Ugh Gob Heb meeb This is terrifying.
0: God's plan wasn't very good. You know, he doesn't write them. He <laughs> just directs them, Jack. You yeah, know,
1: but choose. Well, yeah, but he, no one's forcing him to choose these things. Well, it doesn't God matter. Should have chosen it, a guy whose face wasn't crushed.
0: Uh, that's a weird one, huh? That's a weird one. Duck on it. You didn't get it. It's but, okay. Yeah. Thanks. I know. I'm sending you a new one, though. You got another chance. Okay. Just sent it to you, Jack. All right. This is exciting. I think you're going to like this one. Okay. All right. Because this is a new, uh, it's a Marvel movie. Okay. Yes, there we go. Because you know, Marvel likes making superhero movies, right? Yep. And and they need more superheroes. And now Brad's directing this newest Marvel film where they, they're going to be introducing a new superhero.
1: And Ooh. Brad thinks it's right up your alley. Well, that's awfully darn exciting. Yeah. It's called well, Master D- T. Master T. I just got it. I've just opened it. I've never read this thing before. All right, let's audition for it, Jack. I hope you get the role. Thank you, buddy. Interior bank lobby
0: day. A thug pulls a shotgun out of his trench coat and racks it. All right, everyone, get down on the floor. Nobody try to be a hero because it won't end well for you. I promise. Stop right there. What did I just say, punk? You have two seconds to hit the floor or you're going to get a shotgun to the face. Understand? Understand? The thug racks his shotgun again because people who write movies don't understand how shotguns work.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I understand, but now you need to understand something. Master T approaches the thug, unafraid. Unfortunately for you, Mr. Robberman, I'm a new Marvel superhero. Oh, yeah? The thug racks his shotgun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, when I was at the Bronx Zoo, I was bitten by a radioactive penguin named Boswell. It made me go so dizzy that I tripped and fell into the zebra pen. I don't know if you're aware, but if you ever uh, enter a zebra pen, they think you're there to mate. (laughs) And mate me they did. For hours. By the time I crawled out of there, stunned and very sore, the combination of radioactive penguin blood and zebra loving (laughs) had endowed me with superpowers. It also gave me these amazing black and white stripes, so I have a better chance of getting into college than you do. (laughs) And what sort of
0: superpowers does a radioactive penguin and romantic encounter in a zebra pen give you, tough guy? Thug aims his shotgun at Master T's head and racks
1: it. Listen, we don't have to play that game. If you put down your overly racked shotgun, I'll let you walk out of here. And what if I pull this trigger, Zebra Man? I'm not Zebra Man. My name is Master Taunt. Master Taunt? Master Taunt? That's right, Master Taunt. I'm the creation of Boswell the Penguin and about 14 zebras. Hard to tell when you're on all fours. (laughs) And what sort
0: of superpowers do you have, Master Taunt, who's about to get his head blown off? Your
1: face is a butt and you smell like butts. Whoa, 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 whoa. Your breath smells like you stepped in a bunch of butts and your face looks like a butt. Please, listen.
0: I just wanted to do crime to make a little money and then go live quietly in the mountains.
1: You should have listened to me when you had the chance to walk out of here. But you have a butt for a brain, so your brain butt is stupid and you're a butt. Stop it, please. Says the butt.
0: The thug racks his shotgun and drops it.
1: Yeah, that that's exactly what a butt would say. Did
0: I mention that your face looks like a butt? Please, you're hurting my feelings and I can't afford therapy right now. I spent all my money on a brain operation for my kitty cat. You mean kitty butt. I surrender. I surrender. Just please stop. You win, master taunt. I'm no match for you.
1: I'm renouncing my life of crime right now. Good. Then we'll take you to the Gotham jail and book you on armed robbery charges. You'll be handed an appearance ticket for a later date and then released back to the streets because the mayor is a Democrat and they want lots of crime for some reason. They seem to think people like it.
0: I'll be honest. It did feel like they gave me a green light for shoplifting and
1: petty crime. If you'd only stuck with that, you wouldn't be in trouble. But robbing a bank is a bridge too far and your face looks like a butt. <laughs> I think my biggest problem with that movie that I didn't get is that yeah. it's uh, it, it, it's set in Gotham and yeah. uh, Marvel doesn't own that property. That's a DC property. So the writer That's should it. definitely get this uh, down because this writer has made this mistake before. So
0: there's a Marvel Cinematic Universe and the DC Cinematic Universe. Correct. And they're different.
1: And they're different. And DC is Gotham is what you're saying. Yes. Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern. That's DC. Mm. And the other stuff, like the Eternals. Yeah. The, uh, the multicultural bad movie um, uh, is uh, Marvel. Yes. I'll tell Brad to tell his writer to, to fix that. Yeah. Because the writer keeps screwing this up on the podcast. That's unacceptable. I know it makes me angry, but doggone it. I, I broke. I know I did.
0: You broke, you broke. It's too bad. Cause Master Taunt seems to be like right up your alley. Yeah. It's sort of, that's, it's playing on my level. Well, I just sent you uh, a, a third script, Jack. We have a chance, another chance. Now this is a, a new drama. It's called Return to Apollo. Oh, okay. And it's a drama. Brad's directing it. Features a return to the moon. Okay, and Ooh. and uh, the Apollo program is resurrected. And and Brad uh, sees you for the role of astronaut Jake Johnson. Okay. Um.
1: Wow. Cool. A yeah. Space movie would be really fun. Yeah. Space. is going back to the moon in the in the twenty first century. Well, that is very exciting. Let me see here. It has not arrived in my inbox yet. That's the only reason I'm having. I any hope I didn't delay. send it to somebody else. <laughs> that would stink. Oh, wow. That would be unpleasant. Did you get it? I've not gotten it. Uh-oh. There it is. I got it. Okay. Okay. And so then. like you said, I'm astronaut Jake Johnson going back to the moon. I'm ready. Let's do this. All right. You are astronaut Jake Johnson. That's what you're reading
0: for. Yes. I said. Interior. Lunar landing module. The lunar module containing astronaut Jake Johnson lands on the moon in the Sea of Tranquility.
1: Houston, thrusters disengaged. Tesla battery bank alpha activated and at 99% power. (laughs) Engaging solar plates to harvest sustainable sunlight. Roger that, Apollo 18. All systems nominal. You may proceed with cool-down checklist. Cool-down checklist, Roger. Oxygen reserves at 99%. Scrubber nominal. Request permission to unzip spacesuit and take a peek at Major Tom. (coughs) Permission granted. Roger that. Unzipping in five. Four, three, two, one. Unzipping complete. Have visual on Major Tom. Major Tom surrounded by severe growth. Could use a trimming. <laughs> Roger that, Apollo 18.
0: Permission granted for engagement of Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 for the trimming of Major Tom's neighbors.
1: <laughs> That's one small step for a man. One giant leap for grooming a man's thingamodoodle in a low-gravity environment. <laughs>
0: Roger that, Apollo. Please activate your diddle cam so that we can observe progress.
1: Roger. Activating diddle cam. Establishing video link to my dink.
0: We have visual Apollo. Looking good. <laughs> Looking real good. And I say that as a straight man. Just so well-kempt. Really makes me proud to be an American.
1: Roger that. I got to say, the sweet hum of the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 makes me think of Buzz Aldrin. Copy that, Apollo. How would you compare my personal rocket pad to Neil Armstrong, Houston? Night and day, Apollo.
0: They didn't have Manscaped's patented skin-safe technology back then. His crotch was nicked to bits. Really took the joy out of his moonwalk. Well, I'm
1: as smooth as an alien's chest.
0: We can see that, Apollo. Crystal clear. Vice President Buttigieg has asked if he could congratulate you personally. Roger that. Patching him in, Apollo. (laughs) Vice President Pete Buttigieg appears... (laughs) Hello, Mr. Vice President. Hello, Apollo. Looking great down there. Wow. We're
1: all rooting for you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Mr. Gay Vice President. (laughs) And the best part is when I went to manscaped.com, I used checkout code QM and got 20% off my entire order and free shipping worldwide. (laughs) Except to the Democratic Republic of Congo. Well, I have to say, I give Major
0: Tom high approval ratings, which is something President Harris and I aren't accustomed to.
1: Thank you, Mr. Gay Vice President. Did I mention you should go to manscaped.com and use checkout code QM to save 20%? You did.
0: I will. Thank you. Wow, it's amazing how clear the video quality is, considering you're 225,000 miles from my forehead. (laughs) (laughs) I I salute you, Apollo. Oh,
1: look at that. Major Thomas saluting back. Jeez. <laughs> oh, I judge him on his merits. I don't I don't I don't know why we <laughs> why does the spaceman have to, to to call him Mr. Gay vice president?
0: I you know, maybe that's just the new term you use. You know, the language is constantly changing, Jack, if you haven't noticed.
1: Yeah, I have. You, you,
0: yeah. you don't say uh, vagina anymore you or vulva you say frontal canal right
1: you don't say uh, mom anymore you say birthing person birthing person you know so may, just, maybe in the way that we all you know just keep everyone in boxes you just have to acknowledge the person you know uh, hello um black neighbor how are you doing today it's a very very good uh
0: middle-aged white person yeah well it doesn't matter i guess you you, you blew that one yeah i did Geez. <laughs> Yeah, you Blue. didn't help. I'm going to be honest. I didn't help. I didn't help because, uh, yeah, just took me off guard. You know, part of the problem is seeing you. <laughs> I should just turn off your camera.
1: Yeah, I think that would uh, be a good idea. It's hard um, to well, see you suffer. Yeah, I, I suffered a lot in on that one. Well, Brian, you know, th- thus uh, concludes another episode of Questionable Material with Jack and Brian. Yeah, it does. It does. It does. Not going to lie. I, n- I know it does, Brian. I definitely have already said that.
0: That was Questionable Material with Jack and Brian. Subscribe on any podcast platform. Watch our clips on YouTube. Visit us at qmpodcast.com.